Hi everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of learning. I'm Ryan Radzeski, here with Greg Baer. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. On today's episode, we're talking with Dr. Roberta Schomburg, Executive Director of the Fred Rogers Center for Early Learning and Children's Media at St. Vincent College, and Paul Sievkin, President and CEO of Fred Rogers Productions. Roberta and Paul, welcome to Remaking Tomorrow. You both lead organizations that carry forward the work and legacy of Fred Rogers, who of course was the legendary television creator of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which aired from 1968 until 2001. Rogers created, or helped to create, both Fred Rogers Productions and the Fred Rogers Center. So let's help our listeners understand what each organization does and how you complement one another's work. Paul, let's start with you. What is Fred Rogers Productions? And tell us about the amazing things that you do. Sure, and uh, thanks for having me on today. Fred Rogers Productions was originally called Family Communications, and it is the same production company that Fred Rogers founded to produce Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood about 50 years ago. Today, we are a top producer of new content for PBS Kids. We currently have three series. We have Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, which premiered in 2012, Peg Plus Cat, which premiered in 2013, and Odd Squad, which premiered in 2014. We also have two brand new series set to premiere uh, this year. And Paul, on behalf of dads and moms everywhere, let me just say thank you. It has been so rich for me to raise my kids with those new productions in a way that resonates with my own childhood, and we're so grateful for that. Thank you. That's the best feedback that we can get. Roberta, you lead the Fred Rogers Center, which is based at St. Vincent College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, where Fred Rogers was born and grew up. Can you tell us how the Fred Rogers Center came to be and what you do today? The center was actually designed by Fred Rogers and his wife, Joanne, and their good friend, the Archabbot Douglas Nowicki. And those of us who knew Fred thought, oh, this was where he was going to go to retire and he was going to become an academic. Well, I think in many ways, he founded it as a place where it would help carry forward the legacy that he had worked on. And unfortunately, he never lived to see its completion. But Joanne had such a strong hand in making sure that his wishes were followed through with and that the center would continue to carry on the work that he had started. It's a wonderful legacy in his honor, and we do whatever we can to support children and families and all of those people who work with them. And we're so grateful for your leadership in carrying that legacy forward. Thank you. So, Paul and Roberta, as you both know, there's been a sort of Fred Rogers renaissance in recent years. In 2018, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the first nationally broadcast episode of The Neighborhood. Then we saw Max King's best-selling biography. We had a wonderful documentary by Morgan Neville and the biopic starring Tom Hanks. So when we talk about Fred Rogers today, we're probably talking about him in a different way than we might have even five years ago. He's just much more present in our culture now, even long after his death in 2003. I'm curious about why you both think that is. Why is Fred Rogers so prominent in our culture now? Paul, let's start with you. What's resulted from the documentary, the biography, the Tom Hanks film has been that people have rediscovered Fred in a way that makes him much more human than possibly many people ever saw him as. 
they knew him through television and the character of Mr. Rogers that he portrayed on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. What we've been lucky enough to have unveiled to the world through these projects is Fred at work. So people are able to see what a creative mind he was and how intentional he was with everything that he did. I mean, can you think of another media personality who wrote every script and starred in every episode and wrote every song and sang in every episode and created the puppets and performed the puppets? This is a multi-talented person. And he asked, how do we make goodness attractive? Because if you want anybody to watch the television that you make, it needs to be attractive to them. It needs to be interesting. It needs to be fun. It needs to be engaging. And that's what he did. He made engaging television, and it was about goodness. And I think what is appreciated now about him was how much he understood the power of the media, the power to change hearts and minds, the power to connect with individuals, and the fact that that power needs to be managed extremely carefully. Thank goodness that he was a model for us. He's a model for so many people to say, I'm going to make a choice to use the media in a positive, productive way. Yeah, I like what you said about the challenge he left us about making goodness attractive. And I think, as Greg noted earlier, parents and toddlers alike, I think, would agree that Fred Rogers Productions has met that challenge admirably. Roberta, you are also a steward of Fred's legacy at the Fred Rogers Center, and I'm wondering what excites you about this resurgence of interest in Rogers, and what, if anything, gives you pause? Yeah, I agree with a lot of the things that Paul mentioned, and the most important one, I think, is the intentionality. It really excites me that people are recognizing that Fred Rogers was intentional in what he did and what he presented to children, and are curious and interested in trying to learn what was behind his thinking about that. And I think that that is resonating with people. And I think that's part of the reason that we're seeing a resurgence of interest. We've been living in times where people have gotten so discouraged about the intolerance and meanness and just the attitudes of people toward one another when we're all feeling stressed and knowing that there is a different way we can learn to appreciate what we see around us and our children, and we can help appreciate what they bring to offer in our families and in our neighborhoods. So all of that, I think, it gives me hope. I also feel like I have to mention the role of the Internet. The way we view the old Mr. Rogers Neighborhood program so easily now is really remarkable. I mean, that really wasn't possible 15, 20 years ago, to have those programs in the homes. And one of the things that we have found with our educators' neighborhood is that teachers are now going back to some of those programs and bringing them into the kindergarten classrooms. The kindergarten children are connecting with those in a way that their parents did 30, 40 years ago. There's not a lot that gives me pause, except that we have an abundance of opportunities. And I think that sometimes if we're not careful about how we use the material, I suppose it could be misused in ways that were not helpful. But for the most part, I feel this is a gift. These materials are gifts to us. His legacy is a gift. 
And I'm so delighted that we're able to open our eyes and see it again and that we're helping new parents and children see this for the first time. I might add to what Roberta was saying about, is there anything that gives me pause about the resurgence of interest? And I think that we live in a society right now that likes to paint people with a broad brush. And Fred was a very nuanced creator and thinker. And Roberta, you knew Fred, and you might be able to weigh in on this thought a little bit more. But I don't believe, from what I know of him, that he was interested in becoming sort of this avatar for all that is good. And for people to ask, how can I be like Fred? How can I behave like Fred? Because one of his core messages was about the uniqueness of individuals and that there's nobody in the world exactly like you and people can like you exactly as you are. You're right. That is probably the one pause point. Fred Rogers was so focused, as you say, Paul, on focusing on the other, that it would never be like me. It was be yourself, be true to yourself, live up to your potential. In a way, I think by focusing on the messages more than the person is what he would have wanted. He would want the messages to live on because they are messages of kindness, of caring, of self-worth, and messages that help children have confidence to try new things, to practice doing things that may be hard. I think all of those are things that, of course, Fred modeled. I mean, his example is an important one, but I think the messages are what will really carry forward his legacy. This is Greg Baer along with Ryan Rydzeski. We're talking with Dr. Roberta Schomburg, who leads the Fred Rogers Center, and Paul Siefkin, president and CEO of Fred Rogers Productions. Both of your organizations are, in a very real sense, translating Fred's methods, ideas, and principles for specific audiences. And Roberta, you've talked about the Fred Rogers Center and its work with the Educators' Neighborhood, this community of teachers who study Fred's work and use it to shape their own practice. And Paul, you've talked about the productions at Fred Rogers Productions that draw upon the neighborhood universe, some of which are very new, though, to audiences. So you're doing so much more than making Fred's work useful and relevant today. You're making it your own, as you just described, Paul, being your best Paul and your best Roberta. So can you describe what it is that you are aiming to achieve for audiences here in 2021 and beyond? We've had such success in engaging classroom teachers with the Educators Neighborhood that we're actually launching an administrator's neighborhood for the principals and supervisors who oversee those teachers so that they can provide the kinds of support in our schools or agencies, and they can talk among themselves about the challenges that come up in trying to implement some of the strategies in their classrooms and some of the curricular innovations that they might discover. We also have some work that's continuing around a focus on simple interactions and helping teachers be self-reflective about their interactions with children. And so teachers can videotape themselves in their classrooms or in their childcare centers. And then we have workshops where they can bring those videos and we have a framework that we use where they can think about where were those times when they were supportive to a child and help that child move forward in learning or in being careful and kind to other people. 
And just that process of being self-reflective, I think, is helpful to our whole system, as well as the individual professional development of our teachers. You know, Roberta just described more than a full-time job for what the center is doing and what she's doing as executive director. It just so happens that Roberta also is an educational advisor on not one, not two, but three of Fred Rogers Productions' current series. So, Roberta, you're living up to Fred's legacy just by being the multi-talented person that you are. So thank you for everything that you do for us. That's been a wonderful resource that we've had with the programs that we're making, that on any production, we have the access to academics and producers and people who knew Fred and worked with Fred who can weigh in on some of the curriculum topics that we cover while also pulling in new educational advisors and child development experts from all over the country. And so we're building a really wonderful cohort that is diverse and multi-generational to weigh in on the characters and stories in our programs. That's I think really important given that, you know, the appeal of our organization and the work that we do is multi-generational, particularly for a show like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. You know, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, for those who don't know, it's an animated series and the star is Daniel Tiger. And in our show, Daniel Tiger is the son of the original Daniel Striped Tiger. And all of his friends are the children of the original residents of the neighborhood of make-believe from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. You talked a little bit about the Mr. Rogers universe, which is kind of fun since we hear mostly about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We now have a Mr. Rogers universe. In addition to Daniel Tiger, the new series that we're about to premiere, Don Quixote, is based on an original character from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. The original Don Quixote was asked to leave the neighborhood of make-believe by King Friday because he wanted to build a windmill right next to the castle, and King Friday was uh, a little self-centered, and he didn't want this windmill blocking his view of the castle, so he told Don Quixote to go move someplace else. Well, Donkey left, and he stumbled upon a big sign that said someplace else, and he said, this must be it, and so he decided to live there. Our series picks up another generation later, or two generations later, and someplace else is now a kind of a bustling community of really creative kind of quirky individuals. And the star of our show is Don Quixote, and she is the granddaughter of the original Don Quixote, who's now known as Grampy Hody. And she interacts with Purple Panda, her best friend, uh, and Bob Dog, who is the reimagining of that character from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and another best friend named Duck Duck, who is a new character that we've invented for the program. And together, they take on daily challenges. You know, sort of we borrowed a little bit from the story of the original Don Quixote that the pun was taken from in that, you know, this was an individual who dreamed big and never gave up. Well, what's been really important in preschool curriculums and learning and early childhood emphasis these days is the focus on resilience and persistence. And so who better than Don Quixote to dream big dreams, but they're preschool-sized dreams, she and her friends go about learning how to do dances or make recipes or follow scavenger hunts. And Roberta weighs in on every one of those episodes to make sure that the stories that we're telling are age appropriate and relatable for children. Uh, but we're very proud of the fact that we're making a brand new puppet series that's based on the puppets from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and, and also expanding that Mr. Rogers' universe. Beyond that, the new series that we have for the fall, which is called Alma's Mind, we're working with another television icon named Sonia Manzano, 
who became sort of a household name because she played Maria on Sesame Street for many, many years. And Sonia's often thought that what children need to see on television is characters like them who demonstrate and model for kids that you can learn to think for yourself. And that is the essence of Alma's way. Alma has kind of a moment where she has to think through everything that she's encountered during that episode and make a decision and make an informed decision about what to do next. And sometimes she gets it wrong and sometimes she gets it right. But it's really about being in charge of your own thought process. We are just about out of time. But uh, before we go, I do want to note that we've recently lost a beloved neighbor in Joanne Rogers, who was Fred's wife of more than 50 years. Joanne passed away in January during this pandemic, which, of course, prevented any kind of community gathering to honor her. So we just wanted to take a, a few seconds to just remember her. Roberta, can you tell us what was Joanne Rogers like and what can we learn from her as well as from Fred? Joanne was one of the kindest people I knew. (laughs) And one of the things I loved about her is that she was a cheerleader for all of us. I mean, she saw one little thing that was good and she let the world know about it. So I think in many ways carried forward Fred's legacy on her own just by being who she was and her caring for people, her gentleness, her kindness, and her ability to articulate what Fred's thoughts and ideas were. Although I have to say, at one point I said to her, what do you think Fred would think about this or do about this? And she said, oh, Lordy, I don't know. Not even I would know what he would think about that. (laughs) She said, what I would like to ask you is what would you do about it? And so she always turned it around so that she was putting the responsibility back on us to carry forward these ideas and these insights that we had learned. And that was something that I just thought was really remarkable. I appreciate that you use that word cheerleader. She was such a special human being. (laughs) Paul and Roberta, how can people find out more about the work you're doing? Paul, let's start with you. Well, you can uh, tune in to our programs on your local public television station. WQED here in Pittsburgh. And of course, you can also visit our website at fredrogers.org to learn more about uh, our programs and, and the work that we do. The Fred Rogers Center website has a host of materials, and I didn't have a chance to mention the archives. We have the archives here at the Fred Rogers Center. It has all of the materials that Fred had donated to the center, all of his scripts, many of his letters, lots of his awards. It's a bountiful exhibit where things are stored and we're trying to develop digital access to a lot of the materials, often in collaboration with Fred Rogers Productions. Roberta, before we go, just one question. What's one thing that parents and educators can do today to make tomorrow a more promising place for every learner? The one thing that keeps coming to mind For me today, I I have 12 grandchildren, and one of the things I've said to all of their parents is that if they can help their children learn to be kind to one another, and some of it is just thinking about Joanne Rogers and how kindness just permeated everything that she did, is something that is learned. It's hard to not give in to the feelings that we have, whether they're anger or disappointment. But even beyond that, we can help children learn how to face problems 
and work through difficulties while holding on to that kind spirit within them. Paul, what's one thing that parents and educators can do today to make tomorrow a more promising place for every learner? To respect children, the way they think, how they see the world, to respect their curiosity, their wonder, their feelings. If you can remember the last time that you were really, really, really mad, like falling down on the ground, pounding the floor, mad, 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 it was probably when you were a little kid, right? Because you felt such big feelings. At the same time, the last time that you were rolling around on the floor, barely able to catch your breath because you were laughing so hard was also when you were a kid. Kids are just these bundles of powerful feelings and we need to respect them and listen to them and help them letting children you know, discover the world and, and really soar through their education. Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning, a Pittsburgh-based network of people and organizations that ignite engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. Learn more at remakelearning.org slash tomorrow.